they've learned that certain wavelength of color. Um, I don't know why. Why? Why that? That's just, you know, but Hello. Lights, right? Mm -hmm. It seems to me they do, right? And so. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I will, honey. And did you remember your pictures? Okay. All right. Bye. Bye. In other words, it's supplemental light. So they're adding to the day length, but they probably found this wavelength increases something. I figured it was that. It was just kind of, I've always been surprised. It's such a weird color. And they're really blue and red. I wish that. Bob is the real Pandex. I don't know either. I'm curious as well. Aaron might know that because I know he, he houses a greenhouse and he does that. Some days I wouldn't. Says I'm using the computer audio. Um, does anyone? I guess I'll just watch it because it's not working. All right, thanks. Slides are pretty important to the overall presentation. Well, and and hopefully people have a PDF of the slides as well. So um, if we have too many problems. So thank you for sending that out, by the way. Um, no problem. Okay, we're just trying to troubleshoot a few odds and ends here, and then I think we will be ready to get started. And John's going to send out an email for a conference call number you can call in if, you, if you're not getting the audio. Yes, for the people that don't hear that. The rest of service. Yeah. What's interesting is it said that I had her audio muted. Okay. All right. The Zoom thing just does. We'll see if that sticks. Let's mic everybody up. Mute everybody. No, let's mic everybody up. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if I'm prepared for that directive feedback. Um, <laughs> Well, we'll see. I send it with an enforced priority and a read requirement, so okay. usually that'll get folks' attention. Auto is working out. I think we're ready. I think so. All right. Well, 
Good morning, everyone. Uh, thank you for being here. Um, my name is Ryan Fetty. I'm one of the Deputy Title IX uh, Coordinators, Investigators um, through the Office of Institutional Equity and Compliance. Uh, our role on campus, we do um, sort of four major things. Um, one of them is that we look at um, discrimination, harassment complaints. We also look at um, equal opportunity employment, affirmative action. Uh, we do search committee training um, and work on approving shortlists for that. Um, or, uh, you know, processing all that paperwork. Um, and then um, we work with ADA 504 compliance. And I'll kind of get into all that as we go through. Um, the next uh, slide, um, you all have probably seen the non-discrimination statement. Um, Can everybody hear? Okay, Kyle. Yes, to my understanding. Okay. Yeah, so if anybody's having trouble hearing, please let us know. It, what's the best way for them to use the chat? Uh, please use the chat to do that. Um, so yeah, you've all probably seen the non-discrimination statement. Um, under the Board of Regents policies, um, there's an expectation that everyone follows that. Staff and students are in different um, sections of the policy, um, but our office works uh, with the policy. So um, just to let you know who all is in our office, um, on the next slide, we have um, our staff members. Um, Tammy is assistant to the chancellor. She's also our um, Title IX coordinator. Um, Megan and I are investigators and deputy coordinators. Um, Deanna Schuldice works um, to kind of uh, ensure that we're fulfilling our equal opportunity employment um, obligations. Um, Christy Horn works with ADA 504. Um, and then uh, Jody and Penny um, kind of keep everything running smoothly for us. So, um, you know, if you need to talk to us, um, please feel free to get in touch with us and we'll kind of address any questions you have. Um, one of the things I wanted to talk a little bit about was ADA and 504. Um, just so everybody knows, um, you've all probably been through new employee orientation, but um, if somebody has a medical or physical health condition that um, affects how they um, are able to perform their job duties, um, we try to make accommodations for that. Um, they get documentation from their uh, physician, and then um, we work on an accommodation plan uh, the plan is shared with the supervisor, but the medical information is not. So, um, you know, if you're working with someone who has a disability or if you have a disability, that's kind of the process we go through. Um, another big thing for us is Title IX, um, which is gender-based uh, discrimination. Um, it applies to everybody on campus, um, including visitors, um, and we want to prevent people from being um, subjected to um, any sort of sexual misconduct as well as remedying um, effects if it does happen. So um, one of the big parts of that is the um, responsible employee. So um, I guess for those of us who are here, um, who all is a responsible employee or knows that they're a responsible employee? We okay. just determined who ours was. Oh, okay. We started asking around and it sounded like by default it was John. Okay. So yeah, that's a it's a good thing to get clarity on because um, it's kind of confusing sometimes to know who is and who isn't. So um, basically, with a responsible employee, um, they're required to report anything that they believe might be sexual misconduct to our office. Um, other folks aren't required to report, but we strongly encourage people to just so that we can make sure that we're getting people resources, that we're addressing things um, appropriately, um, and taking the steps we we need to do so. Um, 
So uh, I guess John is the responsible employee for your uh, unit. So, um, you know, just let him know anything that you think is problematic, but just know that he's going to have to share that information um, with our office. Um, one of the things we ask people to do is to get things to us as promptly as possible. Um, until very recently, we were given a firm 60-day um, kind of timeline to get everything resolved by the federal government. Um, we still want to resolve things as promptly as possible. Um, and uh, so sometimes, you know, if people sit on things, it impacts our ability to uh, move forward uh, quickly. Um, the next uh, piece, so some of the uh, different types of uh, sexual misconduct that might ex people might experience are uh, sexual harassment, sexual assault, um, dating and domestic violence, and um, stalking. So just to kind of run through our definitions, you know, one of the most common things that happens on campus is sexual harassment. Um, there are sort of three prongs to that. So it needs to be unwelcome conduct, uh, which is sexual in nature, and um, creates a hostile environment. And so, um, you know, that third piece, uh, our office does an analysis of to, to determine whether there's a hostile environment or not. The other two pieces are um, usually fairly self-explanatory. Um, on the next slide, um, some of the things like, sometimes people will write things on whiteboards um, that are problematic or they'll make jokes. Um, an important thing to think about in sexual harassment is, um, you know, if I'm making a joke with someone and that person's okay with it, you know, that person might not find it unwelcome, but if a third person overhears us and is, is offended, that's another place for us to kind of be aware of, you know, if other people are being impacted by the behavior. Um, sometimes people do things on social media, they'll make drawings or post things, um, and then sometimes folks will share um, sexually based photographs or, or other images without people's consent. So those are some examples. Um, a lot of what we see are, you know, comments that people make. Um, sexual assault, we, all of these kind of things that are additionally crimes we work with um, sort of the criminal definition as well, but sexual assault uh, in terms of rape is anything that involves penetration. Um, the next part would be sexual assault by contact, um, and that can be over a person's clothes um, if someone's touching their intimate body parts. Um, so, uh, and, and without consent is, is the key piece for both of those. Um, as we sort of move on through the definitions, um, for something to hit our uh, policy definition for being dating or domestic violence, um, we look at, you know, was there violence or a threat of violence? So that's kind of our threshold. If you're concerned about a relationship you're in or a relationship uh, that someone you know is in, um, we do have the victim advocate, and I'll talk about that a little bit. Um, and, and that can be a really good resource um, if there's behavior you're concerned about that doesn't sort of um, involve actual violence or um, a threat of violence that you're aware of. So we'll talk a little bit more about that. It also defines, oh, sorry, can you go back? Um, so intimate partner, you know, we're looking at spouse or former spouse, people who have a child in common um, or are currently or used to be dating. Um, so that's those definitions. Um, stalking is either physically or electronically sort of following a person for the purpose of harming, scaring, or intimidating them. Um, so those are kind of our major definitions that we work with in Title IX. Um, one of the things, you know, if you're not a responsible employee, you don't have to report things. Um, but we really encourage people to report just because that allows us to make sure people are provided with the resources they might need um, and to address situations. You also, you know, you might not know 
where, like if we're seeing behavior from someone in multiple places on campus and nobody tells us about it, you know, it could be a really big deal and we just don't know because we haven't been told what's going on. Um, similarly, if, if you notice anybody being discriminated against or harassed um, for any reason, um, you know, please let us know so we can address that. Um, we have the uh, All Are Welcome campaign. You probably have seen the little square um, stickers. Um, we just want to make sure that everybody feels uh, valued on our campus. Um, and then uh, some reporting options that folks have. Um, you can call the police and, you know, if you're ever concerned about someone's safety, that's probably the, the first call to make. Um, the police, if anything might be Title IX involved, do notify our office about it um, and we'll follow up by reaching out to the, um, the potential complainant. Um, we also, you know, you can call us directly about things. Um, we keep those confidential. We don't share things with the police unless there's an imminent safety harm that we think kind of overrides uh, the confidentiality. Um, you can tell a responsible employee in your unit, this would be John. Uh, you can file a tips report and there's a web link for that at the bottom of every UNL website with that little tips logo. Um, you can report anonymously. However, the caveat I would give you there is we can't follow up with people who report anonymously and we can't, um, you know, if there's more information we need, we can't get the additional information. Um, and so it's sometimes helpful if people are willing, and I know sometimes it's scary to attach your name to a complaint, but um, if, if you can, that helps us uh, be more effective in resolving it. Um, on the next slide, so some of the confidential resources, um, we have the victim advocate who is contracted through Voices of Hope. Um, her name is Morgan and she will, um, you know, meet with people to discuss any type of um, sexual, violence or sexual harassment that they're experiencing. Um, her number is there. We also use the Voices of Hope 24-hour crisis line, so if it's outside of kind of business hours, you can call there and they'll be able to help you. Um, we have, it's very exciting this uh, fall, we've rolled out the Find Your Resources page uh, through student involvement. It's an interactive flowchart where if you have questions about reporting things or what services are available, um, it'll walk you through all of those. Um, it also provides the crisis line number if, you know, it kind of gets overwhelming because there are a lot of things to know. Um, so they'll um, walk you through that. Um, as employees, you all have access to the Employee Assistance Program, um, and their number is listed there. So those are uh, our confidential resources. Let's see. I think that takes us, oh, so confidentiality. Um, some of our uh, major things that we ask for people to do is if you're aware of a Title IX incident, please keep it confidential to the best of your ability um, outside of telling people who would you know, need to know to resolve it, um, just so that we can kind of protect everybody's privacy, make sure uh, that investigations don't get compromised, um, things of that nature. We, sh you know, again, only sharing it with people who would need to know. And, you know, if somebody's gossiping about a situation, you know, kind of interrupting that can be helpful um, just because, uh, you know, it's, difficult enough uh, in some of the situations without everybody in a particular unit talking about what's going on. Um, also, as you know, with gossip, incorrect information can get out and that can cause other problems. So I think that's the, I have a couple of uh, scenarios for us to work through. Um, but before we do that, I was just going to see if anybody had any questions about kind of the like sort of definitions or factual information we went through. Any 
Yes. Uh, someone had asked if they could train to be a responsible employee. Is that so? Um, so there, there's not really a training for it. I mean, we're happy to come and you know talk to anybody who wants to identify, you know, be identified <laughs> as a responsible employee. The main part of it is just knowing um, to get people to our office and kind of um, you know having like a basic understanding of like who the victim advocate is and what she does and, and some things of that nature. So there's not really a training, but you know, kind of the expectation is that people will just contact our offices as quickly as possible. And like I said, we're happy to answer questions people have as they become responsible employees. Um, but you know, I think that that would definitely be a, a good thing for us to consider. So I'm going to write that down because that's a good, um, suggestion but you know the main obligation there is just calling us and letting us know or emailing or you know whatever method people want to use just mm -hmm. so we can start going because once that uh clock gets ticking for us on the 60 days um you know and sometimes if 60 days sounds like a lot of um sounds like a lot of time but you know really you know if i have to interview 10 or 15 people 60 days suddenly is not a lot of time so um, other questions before we get into the scenarios and I guess uh, folks can use the chat function if they're uh, participating remotely I think I don't know how it will tell us that it alerts us, it alerts us. okay well um, so yeah so for whatever reason it looks like our account needs to be upgraded to a paid account I didn't know that that was happening through Zoom. Uh oh. Uh, but we are on the clock for nine minutes uh, for the webinar, and then it looks like it will wrap itself up. We could kick to the audio, but I don't know if that matters. Okay, yeah, that's true. So I guess that's the plan. Um, <laughs> so that. uh, can you um, maybe put up the information somewhere where everybody can see it of how to get into the conference call? So um, we'll ask everybody to kind of switch over. Um, I'll, uh, for this first scenario, since we can all see it, I'll read it aloud, and then if we get to the second scenario, um, and we've lost visual, I will read it aloud, and you all should have the uh, slides for this in your email as well. But um, I guess for our first um, scenario, we have um, that there's... Uh, um, so, you know, you're, um,
option of either um, filing anonymously or uh, filing a formal complaint. So with a formal complaint, the person would know that you'd submitted it. Um, you know, we might be able to take uh, disciplinary action um, if necessary. Um, for an anonymous complaint, we would try to follow up and address um, the issue the best that we could um, without um, you know, stating where the complaint came from, but from a due process perspective, the person would have to know where the complaint came from before we could take any sort of disciplinary action. Um, you know, we could still potentially um, address that in a variety of ways, uh, but those are sort of the limitations. If we receive a complaint though, and we have, you know, a bunch of complaints about one person or the situation is severe enough, we might move forward even without the complainant saying they wanted to state a formal complaint, you know, just because if it's like the 30th time we've heard about somebody or, you know, if it's, there's, you know, in other types of situations, there might be some kind of danger to campus that we have to address. Um, so, um, I guess, so those are a couple things we've talked about. Um, are there, I'll let that kind of go through. Yeah, so you're saying if it's the, So that was a bit of an exaggeration, but you know, like if, if we've, if we've heard about someone multiple times, you know, um, I, I probably should have said umpteenth, that would have been a, a better, um, so, but you know, like, uh, if we've heard about somebody, you know, a couple of times, three times, yeah, you know, that starts to be concerning and there's a pattern there. So thank you for clarifying that. At any time, press does, does anybody else have like questions or thoughts about that or um, has joined the conference the caller Andrew. has joined the conference the caller. Should I proceed? um yeah I guess and, and nobody the okay so I, I think we're we're good to go there um, so this one I think is an interesting scenario, and I think everybody can still read it, so I'll take just a couple minutes uh, to let everybody read. All right, folks, we're up on the uh, audio on the phone now as well. Okay. So I guess, um, does anyone, uh, and if anyone has trouble hearing, please let me know. Um, is anyone interested in talking about how they might address the situation? I, mean, I think after the first time someone they're saying it directly to you, you probably should the have caller said so right then. Like, Join the conference. Something that's not okay. Say. Okay, so the the first thought was to address the behavior with the with the property owner the first time they said something. So. Um, you know, so let's assume that, that you did that. Um, after the first time, do you think you would, you know, tell, uh, so obviously you'd talk to them. Would you make any sort of uh, note of it to like a supervisor or, you know, someone? 
Sometimes I've received emails that are a little out of left field, and okay. I just repeat the non-discriminatory policy back to them. It's like that's the line that's set up through the university. If you can't fall within that parameter, then just not able to help you. Okay, so so that's definitely helpful. The one thing that I think can be really useful there too is to kind of let us know so that you know, in case we've had other issues where that person has sort of cropped up or, you know, just because we maintain kind of records on everything, mm. you know, sometimes that's helpful. <laughs> yeah. So, so that can be really helpful for us to know. Um, in this case, um, with racial discrimination, uh, racial discrimination doesn't um, fall under Title IX. Um, so the responsible employee um, piece only applies to Title IX. Now that said, um, you know, helping us know that kind of lets us know if there's a, a bigger problem with something. Um, and it also lets us know, um, you know, if, if there are more things that we need to be doing and, and it kind of protects employees as well, because if you've handed it over to us, you know, that, you know, we're going to address it, um, and make sure that everything, um, is taken care of. So, uh, you know, another piece, um, I guess in this is, you know, so if you've told them either verbally or in writing the first time and then they do it the second time um, directly to the person, what are some things you might do kind of with that second part? I, mean, I feel like that's cause for us to not work with that property owner and this And this is a genuine curiosity kind of question for me. Um, so... I'm used to working with staff and students and, and faculty and they all have very specific protocols before you kind of cut them out of a, a program. Um, I don't know with the public when you're working with them, like what the kind of threshold, I'm assuming it's pretty low of, you know, what you'll work with people, but um, you know, is that a thing where people would need to talk to you before they did something like that, John, or? Um, no, I think people can make that decision and say, you know, this person is, clearly 